Hi again, this is Brian. And this is John. Podcast. Podcast. That's my play. That's my placeholder for the for the intro. You're listening to The Big Balance, the podcast for anybody looking for clear, simple advice they can actually apply. Give us a little of your time each week, and we'll help you figure out work, life, and everything in between. All right. Well, Brian, how are you? Another Friday recording. Another Friday recording. I am well. I am tired. So one thing about recording on a Friday, not that Thursday's that far off, but I'm just tired. I'm, I'm worn out. It's been a long week for me. How about you? 100% agree. And um, I was actually, you know, thinking over to myself uh, before we started recording. I'm like, wow, I'm really feeling the full week, <laughs> the full weight of the week on my shoulders right now, just kind of just falling off. So I'm enjoying that, but to your point, I'm very tired as well. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm I'm still in the mode of I <laughs> I feel the week, and I'm still thinking about what has to get done. And normally, I'm pretty good about turning my brain off. Not turning my brain off, but I'm I'm pretty good about switching gears from work life to home life. Not just at the end of the day, but definitely at the end of the day on a Friday. But I'm still churning things around in my mind right now for work, and I you know, maybe recording tonight will get my mind off it a bit and, and get me in the mood for the weekend. Today, we're going to do something a little different, and I want to apologize in advance for what I believe I'm going to put through or put some of our listeners through. Um, this isn't going to be uh, fun for some, I'm imagining. <laughs> but Brian, today... I'm going to try to be completely vulnerable, very honest, very open with you, and I'm going to have our listeners take a trip down memory lane with me, and we're going to talk a little bit about improvement, the pursuit of bettering oneself, and really the struggle it can be to stick to something like a new hobby or maybe a new skill, even self-improvement. So uh, if you will, it'd be very self-indulgent, but um, using my own music as a backdrop, I wanted to examine progression and uh you know namely looking at my musical progression and try to analyze levels of development maybe call out some areas where there's been plateaus or talk about how to overcome some of those obstacles uh, that we impose on ourselves like self-doubt and really imposter syndrome so brian you willing to take that trip with me i am i'm very excited for this surprise Since this episode's a little bit more casual, I decided against a formal topic intro. You're going to hear enough of me today anyway, so instead of wasting too much time talking here, let's get into the music. I hope you enjoy, and I hope we don't lose too many listeners as a result. Before we really jump into it, I want to do a quick disclaimer. This episode will feature some light profanity and deal with some sensitive topics that may not be suitable for all listeners, so... um, Listener discretion advised, I guess, but more importantly, this episode will also feature some questionable musical and artistic decisions on my end. So in that regard, please don't tune out after you hear some of these tunes, and I promise we won't torture you for too, too long. For some of us, learning a new skill or a new hobby or really even pursuing a passion isn't always the rewarding experience it can be, you know, it's cracked up to be. A lot of us struggle with you know, these self-imposed restrictions, feelings of self-doubt, inadequacy, or oftentimes as I make myself comparing ourselves to others and are, you know, really comparing our proficiencies for specific skills to others as well. 
Before we really dive into the fun part of this episode, Brian, let me ask you something here. On a scale of 1 to 10, um, I know we've talked about your photography. So how would you grade yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 uh, in, in a particular, I guess, practice of photography or a particular you know, discipline of photography? I would say what I shoot most is a mix of portraiture and maybe alternative sports. So not football or not baseball, but things like cyclocross or uh, surfing or rodeo, which uh, I think is one of the more interesting ones and people do a double take at. And if I were to say how good I am, yeah, I would say on a scale of one to 10, I'm, I'm maybe a five, you know, I, I, okay. I'm not a pro, but I can take a good shot and, and be happy with some of the results. And I think at the end of the day, you know, recognizing where I am, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. So that's actually, that's, it's funny that you picked the five. I, I feel like for myself, that's, that's where I would put myself in terms of, you know, scoring my musical ability. So we'll say that assuming 10 is going to be the best of the best, right? Um, you know, how would you feel if a legend in that particular field complimented you? It, it would feel like, you know, best feeling ever, right? That'd be amazing. Validation, yeah. right? Definitely. So, not to do too much of a humble brag here, but before we really dive into to the music portion of today's episode, um, I had something similar or something like that happen to me after a gig, and it's kind of something that still sticks with me even, you know, I think this is seven years after the fact. Um, so over the course of my musical career, I made friends with you know folks from across the country. So I had a friend of mine from another band tell me he's never heard anyone play the way I do or the way I approach riffs was you know just really cool and unique and inspiring. And the thing that the kicker about this all is, is this guy went to Berkeley School of Music. What? Like this like guy profe- could professional training grade. Exactly. And me, on the other hand, it's self-taught at best. I don't even know if it's taught as much as I figured a way to fumble around the neck. So <laughs> my first reaction was, what? This guy can place circles around me. He knows probably everything regarding the theory that I don't know. And I just play by ear. But the what he told me, and it stuck with me, is, is you know, you play really unique and you're, you're original. And that was the most validating feeling that I could ever have. He really gave me the confidence to embrace my own style and carve out a space for myself in any band that I would join so long as they really liked my style. And I, and I say style in Brian, you'll laugh at this in air quotes Um, with that. Most people really aren't going to like my style. So without further ado, Brian, if you wouldn't mind, let's, let's tune into the first song. Yeah. And and one note I'll make too, I was going to listen to all these tracks in advance just to kind of know where this episode was going beforehand. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to listen to this live as we go to be where the audience is at this moment. That's that's I'm glad you did that. And and by all means, uh, let's let's do it. So without further ado, right? song sounds so familiar (laughs) so uh if i played another song uh you would recognize it oh yeah this is this is a this is pretty hard pulled from uh uh inspiration from you no no not so much it's um i've we've used this riff in other songs so Uh, me and the the songwriter in this song we have used this um we, we we basically decided that this this iteration this band right here was never gonna come to anything so we were like well it's our own song so we can rip it off so we rewrote sure. 
this song and made it into another song. Which actually, I'm glad you bring that up because that's a good point. Um, there's nothing stopping you from reworking your own material. So, might be uh, a useful tidbit or tip for somebody who's deciding that maybe I maybe I peaked. Well, why don't you try to rework that then? <laughs> that reminds me of something that I do hear from people across a number of different artistic pursuits. They say, you know... I don't want to necessarily put out my stuff right now because it might not be my best stuff. Maybe my best stuff is going to come years later. So why would I want to burn this riff before I can write a song that's worthy of how good I think it is? And it, it always strikes me as a really weird way to think about things because the stuff you're doing today is literally never going to be your best stuff. As long as you're still learning and growing, you're always improving. That means on the positive side, what's going to come tomorrow, you know, is going to be better on the negative side. You're always going to feel like the stuff you made yesterday wasn't that good. So why save anything, right? It's, it's a smoke them if you got them type thing to me. I don't understand why we would want to hold something back. And yeah, if we do produce something early on that's not our best and years later we say, man, that's not what I wanted it to be, but I still see some value in it, to your point, repurpose it, bring it back. Yeah. I, I think there's something about artists or musicians who want to have this image or this perception that their first effort was this almost magnum opus type thing and that everything they do from there on after is going to be gold. The first thing you have to put out sets the the tone for everything else that you're going to do. And to that, I say no, uh, because <laughs> I mean, case in point, this song that we just listened to here, Brian, um, we put this out on the internet and my, my buddy and I, Albert thought that, wow, man, this is going to be, this is going to be it. People are going to really dig this. And we probably had maybe uh, outside of friends, maybe 50 people if we're lucky, listen to this, uh, maybe more now that we're, we're sharing it here. But the point being, don't be so far up your own butt to think that it's that people are going to care about your first effort you have to work hard and hone your craft and part of that is establishing lasting relationships with either your friends or your fans whatever you want to call them who are going to be there for the ride um, nobody is going to be an overnight success the way that we picture it to be it's it never happens like that well, yeah, I feel like it's it's a, a natural consequence of notoriety, right? I mean, you think mm -hmm. about authors that come on the scene. Uh, J.K. Rowling, I, 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 and I'm going to, I don't know if this is going to uh, lose us listeners or not to admit this. I have never read a single Harry Potter book. I feel like I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm just on the cusp of being a little too old for it to have sure. been in my childhood. So I, I just yeah. never read them. Um, but that being said, you know, obviously I recognize the the giant force that those novels are in the market, and people look at her as this overnight success. Like she came out of the woodwork with Harry Potter, and all of a sudden has seven uh, seven book deal and, and movies for all of them. Uh, or Andy Weir for The Martian, where it's this was his first book, and and look at it taking off. And we view them as overnight successes, but 
those overnight successes were years and years in the making, right? And that sounds so yeah. paradoxical to say, but you don't hear about the 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 months and years toiling in obscurity because that's before they became famous. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's really easy to to think that if you don't have an overnight success, you have no success because the success stories we hear don't talk about the hard work to get there. Got a, got a lot more, a lot more heat behind this one, man. A little bit heavier. Yeah, here. yep, yep. So this one is um, really the the band that um, that uh, my, that I've shared with you some of the music before. This is this is my good buddy Sean on lead vocals. This was basically his band from high school into college. So when we recorded this, I want to say we were just finishing up our sophomore year of college for this one. Now let me and I'll I'll say both of these tracks sound good to me, but let me ask you, where do you see the progression from the first song to this one? What's what's the major improvement to you? And I guess that's a hard question to answer because they are very different songs too. Mm-hmm. So and that's that's actually something that's really interesting that you bring up, and I and you know, nobody would know this if I didn't tell you this, but I was playing guitar on the first song. I'm playing bass on this song, and for me. I'm really proud of the way this this one came out for me as a basis because the way that this song is written and the tuning we're using it's very limiting on the bass. So it it's in a it's in a particular tuning that's kind of uh, equivalent to I guess you would call it uh, open D, but it's not. Um, so with that, I can only play certain notes that will stay in key. So what sounds as very limiting actually was kind of freeing for me. It's because I actually knew with more comfort where I can move on the neck. And it was a lot easier for me to find some interesting riffs um, in the sense of playing something that's not just following the guitar. And that's where I had a lot of fun with this to whereas on the other song, I'm writing strictly a lead type riff that's in your face in this, in this band, I'm, totally hanging out more in the background and for me the progression here wasn't necessarily a progression as much as understanding your role and I think that's an important thing to understand not only in a band but also in life I knew that I didn't need to be front and center I, I'm not always going to be the front man so I think that's the thing that you know the takeaway from this song here So there's going to be about of a, I think about a year gap between this song and the song before it. So um, totally different recording style, totally different um, production value. Uh, but this one is where I'm more of a, I'm back on guitar for this band. And in case nobody's noticed yet, uh, it's very niche in the sense that this is punk, but a very odd sense of punk, right? <laughs> What's the what's the name of this one? This one is called Homeboy Smell Good. What is it? <laughs> Homeboy Smell Good. One more time. Homeboy Smell Good. Such such a name. <laughs> yeah. No, this was actually uh, this band here. Um, all of the song titles were inside jokes, and that's where if we're gonna look <laughs> further ahead, I, I'm there's there's two more songs in the same vein of goofy song titles. I have totally outgrown that, and I'm glad that we don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So this one, uh, everyone, I apologize. And Brian and I in post-production have probably made this not as jarring or harsh on your ears. But um, as Brian and I are listening to this, um, yeah, man, this this is intense. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little disconcerting for me. I, I have one ear listening to John and the other ear listening to the track. And it's it's kind of blown my mind a little bit having you know both different tracks in both ears here yeah <laughs> so with that um one thing i do want to call about this band and um not to be a downer too much on this episode but uh last december i lost a, a good buddy of mine the the other principal songwriter of this band um mike and he and i started this band together um, and I miss him and um, really fortunate that I was able to have the time to spend to uh, write music with him and, and create something that um, still means a lot to me. So uh, some of the lyrics at the end of this song, um, I've actually, uh, you know, I've had friends who have tattooed this on our bodies as a, as a sign of solidarity and commemoration for our friends. So uh, still miss you, Mike, and glad that I got to do this with you. That's one of the great things about having a, a hobby that is expressive too, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. things we can do with our time that might help us deal with emotional things, but don't necessarily let you build that emotion into the work itself. And it's it's a cool thing. So we're talking about a lot of progression, uh, a lot of different sounds that you've created throughout the years, but going back to that original problem of feeling like you've plateaued or feeling like you're not quite good enough. Yes. You know, you, you've, you've told us all the good. Let's hear about the bad too. Like out, out of yeah. these, these songs we've listened to so far, where were your plateaus? Where did your self-doubt come in? So that's, that's a great question. And it's funny because actually right around here where we're at in the terms of from the first song to the last song we listened to, I would say right around here for me as, as a guitarist, I, I, I don't think I've gotten much better, um, outside of this. Uh, I think this is kind of where at the point of my progression, this is around the same time that I got that compliment in terms of, I play very unique. Well, that's the only thing I'm going to be able to really continue to do at a, at a high level is just being unique and continue to be myself. So despite the fact that it is a plateau and it feels very much like a plateau, I'm trying to find ways and still to this day trying to find ways that I can use my ear to better myself in the sense of I'm not going to always be the most proficient or technical player, but I can be a tasteful player. And that's that's what I'm trying to do. So. For, for folks out there, if you're trying to kind of figure out where you fit in any type of hobby and in, in the workplace or anything like that, it's it's the same thought of just focus on the good. <laughs> and I don't know if that's always the best advice, but for me, I like to focus on the good and say, I'm going to continue doing this at a high level and try to work on those gaps in areas where I can. But I'm not always going to, I know I'm never going to reach the level of Eddie Van Halen and I guess understanding your limitations is an important thing to, you know, consider when you're working towards pursuits like this. Yeah, I I always feel kind of weird about those comparisons. Like, I'm never going to be Eddie Van Halen. Like, yeah, you're not. No, no offense, John, or, yeah. or anybody no, else. No 100%. offense to yeah. No offense to anybody else listening out there who's also not going to be. But it always feels like a really weird thing to say. Right. People say, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be the best. Why bother doing it when other people will do it better? And on one hand, yeah, that's true. 
But on the other hand, why is that relevant? And to really underscore kind of the the weirdness of that, I think about it in terms of, well, let's say you take that as your sign to stop, right? You, you put your guitar down, somebody else puts their paintbrush down or uh, puts away the typewriter. What are you doing instead? Uh, maybe you're going to go sit on the couch and watch TV. Well, you're not going to be the best there either, right? <laughs> or maybe you're going to go for a run or a swim, you know, get some exercise in, but you're not probably qualifying for the Olympics. So if you're not going to be the best by not doing those things either, why not just do them and, and do what you can do in the end? I, comparisons are odious, right? Comparing ourselves to yeah. other people, it can be a helpful catalyst to do better. It gives us a, a guidepost of, of where we can go. But it, being preoccupied with it, I feel like can can be rather toxic as well. And I feel like I'm almost heading into pro participation trophy territory. And I'm not. <laughs> that's, that's not my goal. But sometimes doing the thing is what's important, not necessarily yeah. how you rank against somewhere else. This song um, is with my good buddy Albert, again, from the first song. So you might notice you know, this one's going to be kind of keys-heavy as well. So this one, uh, we found we found a good singer for this one. So <laughs> no offense, friends. <laughs> Anybody listening? Sorry, guys. This has a lot more of an electronic sound than a lot of what I've heard from you before. There's definitely going to be more of an electronic sound. This one is the, I would say, arguably the poppiest thing I've ever done. And this is interesting. I don't know. This is going to be from somebody who's not a music aficionado, but I I feel like it's almost a full circle back to the first song, the, the same kind of vibe or energy from that very you're first not wrong. song feel okay you're not wrong <laughs> so when i said that uh albert and i repurposed that first track oh there you go okay. this is the band that we did it in so it, this isn't the song if anybody's interested in hearing the version or the reworking of that original song um, we will be sharing the links to all of these uh these albums everything where you can listen to them uh in the description of the podcast here so if Feel free uh, if you want to listen to it. Uh, <laughs> that being said, if you've made it this far, I'm assuming you don't hate my music, right? <laughs> so the next one that we're going to work our way into here, um, this one is... Uh, somewhat similar this one's going to be a little bit more of an edge and this is going to be where i say that uh the recording quality is going to be there's going to be some stark contrast not all of these were recorded in studio environments some of these were self-recorded home demos things like that but i actually really really like this song because it's the first uh song that we've listened to since the second to where i'm back on bass so everything else you've heard before i've been playing guitar on so this one is another song where i'm on bass Now, where are you in terms of the driver's seat for kind of figuring out where the sound of not just a song, but an entire album is going? Is that kind of a, a collective effort among all the group mates, or is there kind of one person who's who's kind of taking their vision and really applying it and everybody else is supporting it? 
So I would say typically what happens is, is in my experience, there's one person who ha- who either writes a song or writes a handful of songs that all fall under the same umbrella as far as a genre or, or a niche type thing. It, and then it's finding the people who want to help you make that dream come true. And then from there, there's usually an understanding. Um, I've never run into an issue too much. Actually, maybe recently I have slightly, but I've never really run into an issue to where there's been ever confusion behind what our sound is and I think I've been fortunate in that regard um, but most of that might actually be a result of every every band that we've listened to here and every song that I've shared most of these bands have had a shelf life of three years <laughs> about about that amount of time um, that being said they, they're all it's the same set of revolving characters so it's either my buddy Albert my buddy Sean um, you'll meet my buddy Tim in the next song um, but it's, uh, it's usually the same folks. Now, I don't know if I'm going to blow up your spot here, if this is a, a track to come up, but the one thing I'll definitely say, uh, the music that I've come to know you by just because it's what you've shared with me in the past, and this might just be because it's it's one of our, our bigger shared interests musically, is kind of a more modest mouse sound. Yep. And so far I'm hearing a, a lot more on the punk side. Yep. Where's that transition come in, or are we going to hear that too? We're going to hear that on the last song, and unfortunately, I don't have recordings that date back any. All of these are about a decade old um, and less. So I do have some recordings. I, no, I shouldn't say I do. I wish I had some recordings from high school. You you would hear some more of that Modest Mouse influence earlier on, and then there was almost like a. a maybe a conscious effort on my end to reject that a little bit because I felt like I maybe had pigeonholed myself a little bit, but, um, for the last band or two, you'll, that's definitely where I'd leaned into it heavily and glad I have. I don't know why I tried to just deprive myself of one of my you know biggest influences for super long. So as we make our way onto the next song, um, this one here is, is another, uh, properly recorded in a nice professional studio um this one i was a uh you know i helped with the songwriting on this one but uh full caveat for this band when i initially had joined um they had been a band and i had come in and joined them after they had already kind of established some of their sound and foundation so my influence might not be as strong here and we'll fully admit this one is a little bit more I would call it adult contemporary, if you will. So, And we know that, but the song I picked is a little bit more indie-leaning. I don't mind when you show up wasted on a Tuesday afternoon. I don't this feels like a Company of Thieves song. Okay, I actually like Company of Thieves, or I used to, I should say, so I'll take that. <laughs> I want to say this is the second song on the second album. Okay. Right? I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, this is this is definitely uh, Company of Thieves plus R.E.M. This definitely is the R.E.M. band, and I'm okay with that. And as I've gotten older and as I've progressed, um, understanding 
where I can fit into the musical, you know, zeitgeist, if you will. Uh, if, if REM is a hole that can be filled, this band would be it in my in my in my experience or in my perception. I'm I'm happy that this is my REM band uh, because it scratches a different itch than some of my other you know we'll, we'll call it the modest mouse leaning bands like mentioned. So that's that's cool for me. <laughs> But um, so one thing here is is that this is at a point in my musical career, and I say career, I, it's so cheesy saying that. But in my progression, it makes you sound cool though, doesn't it? it doesn't it? Yeah. Anybody listening? I have a career, career musician right here, buddy. Um, but uh, this was it's something. It's almost as big as your podcast career. <laughs> at this point here, I had been to a couple different studios had done some home recordings myself and at this point I had thought I'd pretty much learned everything that I needed to know about going into a studio and how you approach writing an album and how you approach recording an album and this was where I really learned to really lean into the more uh, untangibles if you will or intangibles um, some more of the you can't really quantify it on you know pen and paper in terms of what makes this song good what makes this song bad what are you doing well what are you doing wrong the producer that we worked with here and he, he's somebody I highly recommend Mark Water um, his band Liz the Least they're great um, he's somebody who really kind of encouraged us and Kyle Pulley for that matter Kyle Pulley of Thin Lips um, he's somebody who encouraged us to really explore what the meaning behind the songs were and why we were using a certain frame or a certain perspective to to you know create this world for this song. And at that point, it, it forced me to re-examine why we wrote lyrics and why we wrote songs and why the music reflects the lyrics. So where I thought I wasn't going to get any better in the terms of, you know, in the technical sense, I felt like I got a whole education on approaching the full emotional aspect of it that I think I had only kind of really, you know, briefly scratched on a surface level. Well, here's the thing I wonder about, about getting better and the idea of plateauing, uh, and really, I guess you could say thoughtful practice. When I think about the idea of plateauing, a lot of times I wonder if people who say they're on that plateau are really putting in the work anymore and I don't mean they're not practicing and and doing a good job but I'm wondering if they're practicing the right things and they're putting in the right kind of work and exactly yeah and I I hear this song versus all the other ones we've listened to being so different and you're you're growing and stretching in different ways and I think when we practice if we're pushing the envelope and trying new things, that's how you get better. Or are we just practicing the basics, things that we're already comfortable with? Because getting off the plateau means stepping outside of that comfort zone and trying those new things. And I, I wonder if that's kind of a, a good key takeaway for anybody who does feel like they're not progressing at the speed they think they should. Well, take a step back and really think about what you're doing right now. Are you doing, yeah. practicing, trying out the same things that you already knew you were good at a, a month ago because it feels comfortable and it feels safe to stay there? Well, it, you guess fine. You can feel safe. You can feel comfortable, but then you're never leaving. You're never going anywhere 
All right, one more song, Brian, and I appreciate everyone letting me be so self-indulgent, and I, I really appreciate you all taking this this stroll down memory lane with me. I appreciate you letting me talk about my experiences, and Brian, I appreciate you asking me these questions, and um, I guess without further ado, this is my most recent effort, and this is something, again, it's not always going to be about the production quality. This is obviously something um, I've recorded myself. It's a home studio recording, but... Um, something me and my buddy are you know super proud of and super stoked on, and we're going to be doing proper recordings in the future, and maybe this will be a follow up episode, and you you all can hear it. But uh, without further ado, this song is 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 called Joe Boy, and it's from our current band, Turing Cops. Yeah, the modest mouse is stronger with this one, definitely. <laughs> yeah, the modest mouse is strong with this one. <laughs> So a little bit of background and context. Um, this might be a good way for me to prep my uh, prep this album and, and do a little bit of PR work. Uh, the concept behind this band, and for any for anybody who's familiar with the cyberpunk genre, this is all William Gibson inspired and Neuromancer and, and the Sprawl trilogy. Uh, this universe that we're writing in, it exists within that same universe. We hope so. If, if William Gibson happens to be listening, and <laughs> <laughs> please don't sue me. Please don't get mad. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm still hearing the, the Modest Mouse here, but I am still also hearing Company of Thieves in this one, too, I gotta say. Okay, interesting. So Guitar specifically. This is a, yeah, so this is a completely different uh, group here. This is just me and my buddy Sean again. So, uh, yeah, this is this is written just the two of us. Um, so that's a, that's actually another you know, maybe a topic for another day. But in terms of when you're working in a collaborative environment, sometimes too many you know too many cooks is a problem. But I'm not getting into that right now. Definitely <laughs> a topic, um, and, yeah. and one that I think a lot of people can relate to and get frustrated by, along with us. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian, as we uh, as we wrap up today's episode, um, as everybody has survived uh, the screaming, the the inadequate guitar playing, and questionable decisions, what did you think? <laughs> yeah, I've said it before. I'm I'm a fan. I'm I'm buying the album. Uh, I'm not just saying not just saying nice words. No, I'm a I'm a big fan. I like the progression, and I like that it's changed. We can't have a conversation about starting out and hating your early work and getting frustrated without turning to a quote from Ira Glass. And I know a lot of people have heard this, but for anybody who hasn't, I'll paraphrase it poorly and vehemently suggest if you haven't heard this to look up the actual quote. But when you're starting out, you have good taste and that's what made you get into that particular hobby or passion to begin with but your entry-level skill set is never going to match up to that taste and that disparity is what I think frustrates a lot of people into giving up but that's everybody and that's the thing you need to know is everybody starts out as a novice with a rough skill set the people out there we see succeeding again those overnight successes as we no, they're not. Those are the people who recognize that fact and kept going until their ability level aligned with their skill set. So the ones that don't give up. 
And like, for example, I don't know how successful this podcast is going to be. Probably not a huge, huge sensation, but I know for a fact it's not going to be an overnight sensation regardless, right? We're going to toil along in obscurity for a while. We're going to get better at having these conversations, uh, get better at actually producing these episodes, and maybe many, many, many episodes later, we get somewhere. But we know our, our first few episodes aren't going to be our best, right? We're, we're going to keep getting yep. better and better. And are we going to let that frustrate us into stopping? Or are we going to recognize our tastes and our skills aren't aligned yet? Let's see where this goes and see if we can get them in alignment before making that call. With that, thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. Um, been the most self-indulgent podcast episode that I've recorded so far. And Brian, you've been a trooper for sticking with me. <laughs> thank you, listener. <laughs> now that we're done with this episode, I'm going to go back and listen to episode one and, and think about that early sound of ours and cringe a little bit. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time.